as I mentioned last week, we've got a little time to just respond to the Spirit in a unique way during these few weeks because we finished the book of Hebrews, 63 sermons worth, and we've got a new series coming up soon, which is the mystery of the universe, what that is. And uh, before we start that, we've got a little time to just kind of let the Lord deal with us on some issues. And last week, he was dealing with us with regards to prayer. And we talked about why don't we? Why don't we pray more? And you remember my goal last week in communicating was just to get us to think. Because I think we all confess that we don't pray enough, right? Anybody here saying, oh, I pray way too much? Anybody? Because I'll slap you right now. Nobody, okay, we're all in the same boat saying, yeah, I I think maybe I should pray a little more. And so we talked about last week, why is it that we don't pray as much as we sense we ought to? And hopefully this week you've thought about that and maybe even made some corrections in your life. Today's going to be a little bit different. I want to tell you right now, it's going to be a little uncomfortable for some of us. For some of us, we're going to be getting outside the box a little bit. Uh, If you're visiting here today, it's your first time. It's the best of times. It's the worst of times. And uh, you'll see why. I I want us to look as we begin at Matthew 21, a familiar story for many of us, starting in verse 12. It says, And Jesus entered the temple and cast out all those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a robber's den. And the blind and the lame came to Jesus in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that Jesus had done and the children who were crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant and said to Jesus, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes Thou hast prepared for thyself praise. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you this morning. Thank you for being a good and merciful God. Thank you that because of who you are, not because of who we are, you love us wonderfully. Because of your grace, you've met us in our depravity. You've met us in our sin. You've met us in our rebellion. And through Jesus and the work of the cross, You wipe our slates clean. You give us new life. You give us the hope, the reality, the sure expectation of heaven. And you transform our lives all the time. And Lord, we're in a season as a church where we're seeking transformation. We're wanting to grow. We're not wanting to stagnate. We're not wanting to go through the motions. We're wanting to be alive in the spirit. And so we ask the Holy Spirit you would come and you deal with us as individuals and as a church, and you deal with us wonderfully and profoundly. You transform our lives for the glory of Jesus. We ask it together in Jesus' name, amen. We have Jesus here saying, my house shall be called a house of prayer. For all the nations, he's quoting from Isaiah there reiterating to the nation of Israel that it was always God's heart that when God's people gathered, there would be prayer happening. Prayer not just for themselves, but prayer for the nations. Not only prayer going out from Israel for the nations, but the nations coming to meet the God of Israel and having access to that very God. We just got back, many of us, from our Reality San Francisco prayer tour. 
We got back last night. We were up there Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And what we're doing is praying through the city in anticipation of starting Reality San Francisco about the beginning of the new year. This is a third prayer tour that we've done. It's an incredible time. We take about 80 people up there. We break the city up into districts and strategic areas. And we find strategic areas, the hilltops and so on and so forth, and nitty-gritty places. Break the team up and send them all around to pray strategically. We're looking to pray on site with insight. We're looking to do some real spiritual battle. We're, we're believing, we're going with the theology that prayer changes things. That's foundational. We wouldn't be doing these prayer tours if we didn't believe that prayer changes things. Uh, That's part of our theology. That's part of our ecclesiology. It affects how we act as a church. It's part of our missiology. It affects the way that we do mission, that we believe because of the teaching of Scripture that prayer changes things. So we go up there to pray because we want to see the strongholds of the city of San Francisco come down. And there are strongholds there. 2 Corinthians 10 says that our weapons are mighty with God for the tearing down of strongholds, fortresses. Bringing down everything that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And we, so we go with that truth. And we go in faith. And we pray through the city. We engage in spiritual warfare. And we've also been teaching through the city. We have a teaching which is on, on the historical things that have happened in that city since its inception. And what that does is give us insight into the strongholds. When you understand the history of San Francisco, you understand the strongholds of San Francisco, and you can play, pray more poignantly. You can, you can pray with a little more discernment. And so we do a teaching on the history of San Francisco. And, and then we do a teaching on how God has worked historically in urban areas. It's very clear that God has a heart for cities and is strategically targeting cities. One reason being that many people are in cities and God loves people. And so he goes after the cities. But another reason being that that's where culture is shaped and formed. And what Christ wants to do is transform culture for his glory. And so he goes after the very place where culture is transformed and seeks to inform it with the gospel, where it's formed, excuse me, and seeks to transform and inform it with the gospel. So we teach about how God has targeted cities historically and his redemptive purposes in urban areas. And then we teach about the fact that God is building his church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail over it. And so we believe by faith that he's building his church in San Francisco. And so we pray for the churches of San Francisco. Francisco and the church in San Francisco and the new church that by grace for his glory, Christ is birthing reality San Francisco. So we just got back from that prayer tour and I want to issue to those of you who didn't go a call to prayer. I want to ask you to be praying for those who went and are now back because to be over colloquial, the prayer team went up there and kicked butt on the devil because of who Jesus is and the authority of Christ, we went up there and did that. Now, the devil wants to kick some butt on us. And so we need a prayer covering. We're tired, we're exhausted, we're spent. We've poured out. And I'm asking those of you who stayed behind over the next couple days to be praying for those who went to the front lines, to be praying a covering over their marriages, over their children, over their homes, over their primary relationships, over their lives, over their purity and their sexuality. San Francisco is a radically sexually charged city. 
And we need a covering in that area as we return. So, so I'm, I'm putting out a call to prayer to you guys who weren't able to go. I want you to know that it's okay that you weren't able to go. In Israel, we have an instance in the Old Testament where certain of Israel went out to battle on the front lines and certain of Israel stayed with the stuff. And when the certain of Israel got the victory by the grace of God on the front lines and they got the spoils, they brought it back to the whole of Israel. And those who stayed behind with the stuff got just as much as those who went to the front line because it's one community, one people under God. We weep with those who weep, we rejoice with those who rejoice, and we've done battle with those who do battle. So I want you to know that you guys are a part of that fruit of the prayer tours in San Francisco. But, but a call to prayer now. A second call to prayer. As you know, by the grace of God, for the glory of God, we're starting Reality Ventura, the campus down there. And we had hoped to start it a couple of weeks ago, but you know how building projects go. It's taking twice as long and costing three times as much. And uh, it's not finished yet. The money's just about finished, but the building's not finished yet. Uh, but that's okay, because the Lord is calling us to finish well in prayer in Ventura. We started praying weekly as a church one year ago for Reality Ventura. one year ago this week, last year, that we started having weekly Thursday night prayer meetings in Ventura. And we started incredibly strong. And over the year, it's ebbed a little bit. You know what I mean? Attendance has dropped by a couple hundred. And the fervency has waned a little bit. And, and what we feel the Lord is saying to us as a church is finish well. And we see in scripture that clear exhortation to finish well. Anybody could start well, but so much of Christianity has to do with how you finish. And so as a church now, together, God is calling us to finish well, praying in Ventura for the community of Ventura, against the devil in Ventura, for the churches of Ventura, and for reality Ventura, that church that Christ is birthing. So here's what we're doing. You got a flyer on your way in. This Thursday night, we are meeting down at the reality Ventura building. It's not finished. It's a construction zone, but we'll deal with it. We're going to meet at 6.30 p.m. to eat. That's something the church has always done, meet and eat. Israel did the same thing. We're going to meet and eat at 6.30. Different home groups will be bringing food and we'll eat family style and we'll sit around in that sanctuary that's still being constructed and break bread together. And then after that, right about 7.30, we'll kind of clean that up real quick and we'll get into praise and prayer. And that's our plan as a church this summer for midweek. We're going to be meeting Thursday evenings in Ventura to pray for the well-being of the city and of the churches and of the new church. And I'm putting out another call to prayer. I'm calling you guys to come pray in Ventura this summer for about 10 weeks on Thursday nights. Come eat. Come praise the Lord and come pray with us. Those of you in Goleta, Ask the Lord to give you a heart for Ventura. Care for someone other than yourselves. Those of you in Santa Barbara, do the same. Montecito, do the same. Carpinteria, Ojai, do the same. We're all as one church going to go to Ventura to be on mission with Jesus for his glory in that city. That is our plan as a church Thursday nights. Please be there. It's a call to prayer. I've issued a second call to prayer. A third sort of call to prayer, but in a different way for this summer. Some time ago, we taught here a series on prayer. We were going through the book of Colossians and we got to chapter two, verse one, where Paul says to the church in Colossae and the church of Laodicea, I want you to know how great a struggle I have had on your behalf. 
He's talking about the fact that he struggled for them in prayer. He had never even been there. He never even met them. But because of who Christ is, he had a heart for them. And he had been praying for them. He had been battling in prayer. I want you to know how great a struggle I've had on your behalf. And that word struggle in the Greek is the word agon. We get agony from it. He had been agonizing in prayer over them. And we hadn't planned it, but the Holy Spirit kind of led us into a series on prayer. It ended up being 13 weeks that we spoke about prayer at that time. Many of you were here for that. Many others of you weren't here for that. You're new to the church, and I praise God for you. But what we want to do in this, this summer is get on the same page as it pertains to prayer. Here's my challenge. We've posted all of those messages, 13 of them, on the Reality Carpenteria website. Go there starting tomorrow and download, of course they're free, download one per week. And this summer, listen to one message that the Lord gave us from the word of the Lord on prayer and let our hearts be stirred as it pertains to prayer this summer. I'm issuing a call that we would all get on the same page as a church. I think it's very important in this season. We're entering tumultuous times, difficult days. We're going to be one church in two locations. We're going to have to fight for unity. There's some financial difficulties and challenges in front of us. A lot of people are experiencing some things. We, we need to get back to that heart of prayer. So I'm issuing a call to, to once a week listen to one of those messages on prayer. And what I'm hoping, what we're hoping, so by the end of the summer, we've been praying in Ventura. We've been listening carefully to the word of God as it pertains to prayer. And that Christ will have formed a fresh heart in us for prayer that will have returned as individuals and as a church to that primary ministry of prayer. And so I'm challenging you to do that. Listen to one of those messages. And there's all kinds of stuff that's covered. We covered the attitude of prayer. We covered listening in prayer, how to listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. We covered fasting. We covered praying the word of God. We covered what it means to pray in Jesus' name. We covered praying in tongues. We covered praying in the Spirit. We covered praying for others. We covered corporate prayer. Please, I want you to listen to those. Now I want to transition. As I said earlier, it's going to be uncomfortable for some of us today, but, but it shouldn't be, at least for Christians. If you're not a Christian and you're here, you're invited to pray, and we're so glad that you're here. And it may be uncomfortable for you specifically. That's okay. But as Christians, we, we should never be uncomfortable about the fact that in a few moments, we're going to pray together. I'm not going to preach today, although I'm obviously preaching, but I'm, I'm trying not to preach. <laughs> you know me. I actually wrote two sermons this week for this Sunday because there was so much that I think the Lord wants to say to us about prayer, so much that was in my heart as one of the pastors at the church to say about prayer. But late last night, I felt the Lord saying, you know what, Britt? You can talk until you're blue in the face, but there comes a point where you just got to actually pray. And so today I'm not going to preach, sort of, and we're going to pray. There's a book that's been hugely transformative in my life, very simple book, wonderful book. It's called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. We've ordered dozens of copies for you guys today to pick up a copy and read this book. This was a a foundational book in in my life and in the life of reality. Really, this book is what kind of helped birth in us by the Holy Spirit, a heart for prayer, which birthed this church and the other churches uh, that are part of the reality network of churches. Please get a hold of this book. 
It's radically wonderful and will really spur you on toward the power of prayer and what it means to pray as a church. One of the things that Jim Cimbala is the author's name. He's a pastor of the um, Metropolitan Tabernacle, the Brooklyn Tabernacle, excuse me, in Manhattan. One of the things that he says in there is this. You can tell how popular a preacher is by who comes on Sunday mornings. You can tell how popular Jesus is by who comes to the prayer meetings. He said, in the church, you could tell how popular the preacher is by who comes Sunday mornings. You could tell how popular Jesus is by who comes to the prayer meetings. Now, I don't fully agree with that statement. It's not necessarily scripture. I don't think it's 100% correct, but it's correct enough that it haunts me. It's correct enough that it ought to haunt us. Because you see, the church was birthed in prayer. And the early church continued in prayer. And the disciples inquired of Jesus as to how to pray. And he just asserts that you can tell how popular Jesus is by who comes to the prayer meetings. Charles Spurgeon, hugely respected, century or so ago, minister in England. So the church is the grace, or excuse me, prayer is a graceometer of the church, kind of a barometer. If Christ is near to the church, you'll be able to tell because the people are praying. If he's not, the people will be beset by prayerlessness. Last week, I issued a call to prayer. I said, Tuesday mornings, we're going to be praying for the Reality San Francisco Prayer Tour. Come out and pray 6 a.m. Tuesday morning. To the glory of God, there's about 120 of you that showed up Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. to pray, and it was a wonderful time. But at Sunday services, there are about 1,500 people So that thing which Jim Simbel has said in his book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, it, it haunts me just a little bit. And, and remember, we asked the question last week, why don't we pray more? I had issued a, a call to prayer prior to that. Hebrews 13, 21, we're going to pray that together. That God would work in us every good thing to do his will. Work in us that which is pleasing to him. And he'd do it through Christ and in a way which Christ gets the glory. That was two weeks ago. And I asked you guys last week, how many of you prayed that? And it was about 2% of you. Although at the time we all agreed, yes, we want to pray this. It'll be great. So it, it haunts me a little bit. That as a church, there's not a greater giving of ourselves to the prayer meeting, which for reality has always been foundational, pivotal. The prayer meeting is the lungs of the church where we breathe in the life of God. It's where we discover Christ's will for the church together corporately as a community as he's the head of the church. And because not many will come to the prayer meeting this morning, we are bringing the prayer meeting to you. We're bringing it to you. We bamboozled you. <laughs> Truthfully, we did. And so we're going to pray. In just a moment, I'm trying so hard not to preach. <laughs> we're going to pray in just a moment. We're going to just grab whoever's around us. You know them, you don't know them. It doesn't matter. We're going to grab them and we're going to pray. Now, some of you are already getting uncomfortable. Some of you are squirming. I see you. Some of you are balking at that idea. You mean I'm going to have to maybe touch somebody, talk to somebody in church and, and interact with them and pray? Do you mean out loud? Tell me you don't mean out loud, Pastor Britt, please. 
out loud is cool. Because there's power when we agree in prayer. And we can agree with one another when we can hear one another. It's weird, isn't it? That, that somehow that would ever be uncomfortable to us. Dominic Bally, our worship leader, was preaching at a church. He was a guest there some time ago. And there's an issue going on in the church. And because he's got a relationship with the church, he was aware of it. And it was a pretty dire issue. And so before he started his sermon, he told the church about the issue. And he said, now, we're going to pray together. I I want you to grab the person next to you. And I want you guys to pray for the situation. And the people in the church looked at him like. (laughs) And in what I believe was a Holy Spirit moment, Pastor Dominic said to that church, don't you look at me funny because I asked you to pray in church. My house shall be called a house of prayer. He never said house of preaching. He never said house of music. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And so now we're going to pray. It's going to be directed prayer. I'm going to give us a few ways to pray four or five over the next few minutes and and I'm going to give you a way and then you guys are just going to grab the people around you and begin to pray. I understand it's a stretch for some of us but shall we not be stretched in our faith? Shall we not be challenged in this area of prayer? So the first way that we're going to pray is simply this, that Christ would be glorified. Now, now when I say that, you you kind of got to give some thought because you don't want to just get a group and go, Jesus be glorified, Amen. You want to press in a little bit. So, so how might Christ be glorified? Well, he might be glorified in our individual lives. I'm talking about sanctification, holiness, obedience. He might be glorified in our church. That it's not about a preacher. It's not about programs. It's not about your needs. It's not about your gifts or our gifts. It's about Jesus and his glory. The church is to be about that. He said, it's my church, Jesus said. And, and then thirdly, that Christ would be glorified in our community. What does that mean? It means he's proclaimed. It means that we minister to our community with the hands of Christ, that we love with the love of Christ, that we meet, that we find and meet and minister to the marginalized, and that we would preach the gospel unashamedly in the coastlands. So in our lives, in the life of our church, and in our community, that Christ would be glorified. Take a few minutes. We'll start with that prayer point. Grab people. Begin to pray now.